I don't know much. Well, I love you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, me. All I need for now. This is going straight over my head. What's Aaron, Aaron Neville. Neville. <laughs> that's what? Aaron Neville. But I don't know no much. much. Right. Bloody Hang hell. And then. Yeah. I love you. Right, we're recording. Yes. Recording? Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Hello, welcome to part three of the Too Much Time on Our Hands podcast. Um, we are going to get into something that I don't believe anyone could dislike. I don't believe <laughs> there's anyone in this world that could not <laughs> like the, the movie franchise in, in particular. So, so this this should be interesting. <laughs> Yeah, this week we're talking about the Lord of the Rings. Uh, <laughs> Gandalf the Grey. Specifically the Peter Jackson um, epic trilogy, uh, as opposed to the um, original books. Um, <clears throat> inspired by last week, I, um, me and my wife sat down and watched the extended Fellowship of the Ring last Sunday. Perfect Sunday viewing. And uh, I haven't seen this film for a long time, even though I love it. I love it, love it, love it. But just for whatever reason, I realised I hadn't watched it for like years. Um, so we sat down and watched Fellowship of the Ring, and it's just one of those mind-blowing moments where you just you just remember exactly everything that you loved about it, and it just hasn't aged a day. But I think really to to think about like the impact before we get too heavily invested, in it, I think we need to like look back at like what came before Lord of the Rings. So I think that's part of it's why it's so good and, and why it has such a uh, amazing legacy is when you look at what came before it. Okay, so the fantasy genre has had its sort of ups and down over the years, right? They, it kind of boomed in the 80s. You had some really good uh, swords and sorcery films like Legend and Excalibur, uh, Dragon Slayer, Labyrinth, Princess Bride. It was a pretty good time. Um, you also had the kind of barbarian films, so like you had Conan, and then it kind of spiralled out of control with all the really crappy Conan knockoffs mm. that were in like a blockbuster video on VHS. Am I the only one that's got Calvin Harris's uh, in the eighties going on in the, my head? <laughs> I like. I think we should over uh, underlay what you're talking about with. <laughs> Yes, just me. Okay, <laughs> it's just you. I've still got Aaron Neville in my head. So. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we had all the kind of crappy Conan knockoffs that mm. were appearing by the sort of late eighties, and you know it kind of moved the fantasy genre in a way which was <clears throat> not so good. Um, the nineties was probably the lowest point, right? I think for fantasy films. Maybe even... name some fan- name some good fantasy films from the nineties. Willow. I think that's late 80s. Is it late 80s? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Out of the way, Peck. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think... Fantasy. Listen, right, okay, so the 90s... Are not all films fantasy? Well, this is the annoying thing. When you go on Google, when I say fantasy, I mean swords and sorcery, okay? Mm, I mean wizards, Dungeons and Dragons-esque kind of 
Um, well, Tolkien, <laughs> let's not be around the bush. This is Tolkien stuff, right? Mm. There was a few Shannon Tweed ones that would be considered fancy that we saw on Channel 5 and Late Nights. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, yeah. yeah. Fancy can mean something very different. But, you know, I've seen people refer, you know, as all kinds of things fancy, basically. Sci-fi is fantasy, or just anything with any kind of unusual element. Like Junior would be a fantasy film because it's about a man who gets pregnant or something. Yeah. You know, I hate... Okay, fair enough. For me, fantasy Let's is, keep it is sword, sword, sword and sorcery, sorcery okay? Swords Proper, and sorcery. good, nerdy, yes. warhammery stuff, right? So in the 90s, we had, what, Xena the Warrior Princess... Oh, which Hercules. is great no which is no Zena the Warrior Princess is great no it Dan. is it was great Tom now I expect Dan <laughs> who loves anything American <laughs> that's bullshit to... why does everyone just assume we love everything American I used to I, I have to admit I used to watch Xena the Warrior mm. Princess when it was on not for the most wholesome of reasons, <laughs> but I did watch well, it well they're also also you got to remember there wasn't anything better on because the 90s was generally a bit shit. Yeah, that's, that's not the real... I didn't watch Xena the Warrior Princess because nothing else was tickling my fa- my fantasy, <laughs> my, my sword and sorcery, you know, itch. Tickling your sword. <laughs> tickling my fancy. <laughs> um, but I do, know, I do know what you mean. I think in terms of alternatives, there wasn't anything They're crap, else. right. Xena the Warrior, <laughs> it's like ridiculously campy. Everyone's got awful American accents in it. Uh, it's, it's like polystyrene it's the American sex. accents thing again isn't oh, it oh yeah that is definitely <laughs> like is something I can't deal with but it's also you know it's it's just the really crappy well hey there we're here in the fantasy yeah. world <laughs> I am an elf storming the castle <laughs> like, you know oh I hate it just terrible acting just ridiculously campy and light hearted and you know it's all kind of like foam, foam swords and like really crappy like 60s Star Trek type sets and stuff just awful I hate it I hate it I hate it and everyone in it looks like they've come straight out of like a porno set like they're Oops, kind of sorry. porn actresses and porn actors you know they've got well, that pretty proper, sure most of them were <laughs> well maybe they've got the kind of that level of quality of acting mm. and you know they've just got that hot, oh, super ridiculous working. like Hollywood smile kind of look about them right do you know what the um, the creators went on to do though what Xena uh, and yeah characters? so it was run by Sam Raimi wasn't it he had a lot to do with it what yeah. I did not know that yeah Sam Raimi was, had a, was a big part of it and then the actual writers and directors I believe went on to do Spartacus Blood and Sound. Oh, okay, I haven't even seen that. But that's post Lord of the Rings. So we'll yeah, it is. And places. from what I understand, the the creators said if they'd have had their way, Xena would have been a lot more like Spartacus. Like darker and time. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a product of its time. But anyway, I don't want to dwell on crappy Xena and Hercules. <laughs> the shitty princess. You know, and as far as films go, the best kind of things in that vein of that decade where you had like Robin Hood Prince of Thieves if that counts it's kind of more <laughs> historical and there's no real everything I do is <laughs> <laughs> that like the, in the charts were like something ridiculous like 13 still in the charts it was still, still yeah the stage, still in there yeah yeah, yeah. It's funny how it was in the charts so long, and I don't think I've heard it for like over a decade. It's one of those songs that overstay its it just, welcome. It just swaps number one and two with or one, two, and three with uh, the wet, wet, wet song from Four oh, Weddings and yeah, a Funeral, yeah, 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 and yeah. Uh, Celine Dion's song from Titanic. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, they're still doing well, aren't they? That's yeah. good to hear. Um, so I think, yeah, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and Dragonheart. Oh, I love Dragonheart. Yeah, but I, mean, I, I love it. Well, as I'm saying, this is the best of the '90s. But come on, it, nowadays, looking back, oh, it's 
proper wank. Exactly. What about uh, TV series wise? You have well, I did TV like series. Zena and... Prince Caspian as well. Not Prince Caspian. What's that? Prince Valiant. Not Prince Caspian. Never heard of it. Prince Valiant. No, never that was heard a of great it. cartoon series. About. Oh, a cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about live action stuff. They okay. probably were cartoony stuff. Yeah. Um, and so. Go so, on. No, Dungeon Dragons film. Yes, I was. This is exactly what I was going to get onto. Okay, in the year two thousand, mm. yeah. I think fantasy hit rock bottom with Dungeons and Dragons. I had someone defending that the other day. You cannot defend it. It is an awful <laughs> attempt to bring a pen and paper RPG to film. Mm. It has no redeeming features. It's a crappy plot, badly directed, full of cheap uh, costumes and cheap sets pantomime hammy acting uh, is universally panned by critics and audiences do you know why it was made though well money I presume most to, things are made for money to, to see if there was an interest in that to see if Lord of the Rings would work no 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 no, no, no. I don't believe that seriously that's bad that I heard that yeah. Lord of the Rings must have been in pre-production who made it who made who made this came out in 2000 and when yeah. Fellowship of the Ring came out in 2001 it came no... out in 2000 I thought it came out earlier than that apparently according to my research okay. which was a quick Google search <laughs> so it's not exactly <laughs> foolproof uh, it gives you know, Dungeons and Dragons incidentally has a 10% rating on Rotten Tomatoes wow yeah <laughs> okay. which I'm still I'm surprised that 10% of people found it fresh <laughs> like, who the fuck watches that it's got a cameo with Richard O'Brien, and he's playing like a parody of his Crystal Maze character. You know? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, best, the best Crystal Maze joke is in Maid Marian and Her Merry Men, <laughs> where there's an episode where they do the Crystal Maze. Oh, and yes. Really? And uh, Robin suddenly appears with a bald head and the uh, leopard yeah. print jacket <laughs> yes, on, doesn't yes. he? Yeah. And he's doing the harmonica playing <laughs> and stuff. Maid Marian and Her Merry Men, by the way. Absolutely bloody marvelous. I think we need a separate pod for that one. Yeah. I, I love that. I literally haven't okay, seen it since it was on TV. Um, I need to. But I bet you could sing the theme tune. No, I don't think I can. Really? I reckon I could. Yeah. Why is that? Go on. Why don't you carry on with what you're doing? I can't remember that. Yeah, it's Rina Bell now. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Rina Bell. Maria! Oh, Maria! Absolutely brilliant TV series. This is a good Lord of the Rings pod so far. Yeah, sorry, 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 sorry. Anyway, yes, yes, yeah, sorry. We're already talking about right, things that are better than it. Oh, oh my God. Oh. Well, Tom. 2001 comes along. Okay, so fantasy has had this diabolical decade. Di- you know, just terrible. Mm. Like, real trashy stuff. No one's take took fantasy seriously at all. Um, it's just had a terrible reputation. Then Fellowship of the Ring comes out, right? It's a phenomenal critical and commercial success mm. everybody loves it apart from you Tom <laughs> it makes a shit ton of money and it becomes like just this ridiculous phenomenon it's everything that Dungeons and Dragons wasn't it's you know it had a sort of darker more serious tone but the light hearted moments really worked because they had this sort of heartwarming relief it had like charming and funny characters it wasn't the stupid crappy clumsy cringy writing of something like Xena or Dungeons and Dragons um, it was just perfectly cast. You had like a really good mix of like complete unknowns and um, veteran actors. So you had, um, you know, Viggo Mortensen wasn't particularly well known at all. Um, no, not by that point. It was no, second um, second choice as well, wasn't he? Yeah, that's right. He came onto the film Stuart quite, Townsend turned it quite late. Yeah. Um, I don't think he turned it down. They actually dropped him. Oh, really? They, they started um, actually working. Mm. 
and then they decided last minute that he was too young. Mm. And they were like, no, you know what, Aragon needs to be um, a little bit older, and that's when they brought in Vegan Watson. But, you know, you had um, Billy Boyd and Dominic Monaghan come on as, like, complete fresh faces. Orlando Bloom as well. It's his first film. Mm. Um, then you had Elijah Wood, who'd done stuff, but wasn't, like, a big name actor at that point. Fairly big, but not, mm. like, you know, yeah. he, he, you know he, some people would have known him, but not, like, widely known, right? He's not mm. a household name at this point. But then you did have um, some incredible actors like Ian McKellen mm. and Christopher Lee, who've mm-hmm. got you know proper acting skills, like on stage and in film. <clears throat> Even so, like Hugo Weaving as well. Hugo Weaving, yeah. exactly. Kate Sean Barnett. Bean. Yeah. You've got like some real big names. I mean, you know, Bean. incredible cast, and it, they're so perfectly cast for their roles as well. They're just. They just they oh, I can't describe. <laughs> I'm just going to go into gushing. I don't want to do that yet. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's it's a film that like it's not just good. I mean, this is like it was it was nominated for like several Oscars and won several Oscars. It was um, Oscar nominated for the um, the script. The script writing was just like superb. But I'm a firm believer in the fact that the Oscars are not necessarily the stamp of okay, quality well, that they were even then. Well, I don't know. But, you know, nevertheless, uh, Oscar nominated for its script, um, for the costumes and set design, which, again, are just, like, out of this world. Um, It won an Oscar for its cinematography, for its special effects. I think Ian McKellen won it for his performance, Gandalf. And for its, like, amazing soundtrack, Howard Shaw's score is just unbelievable for that film. Just Mm. perfect now for the whole Mm. film trilogy. I mean, this was just, like a passion project from Peter Jackson to bring, you know, a 50-year-old beloved book to life. To bring his vision of the book no, to life. No, I don't accept that. I, yeah. I remember being in the cinema the first time. The teaser, I seem to remember, was literally just the nine of them walking over the mountain. Yeah. And the music kicking in. And I remember kind of just... Just, just being... just covered in goosebumps just just like hair standing on end just mm. seeing something that I never thought I would see on the big well, screen well this is the thing no one thought it was possible I mm. mean they had so much trouble trying to get this film made it was only when um, New Line eventually agreed to it because they had been through like production hell they'd been trying mm. to make it since um, since the mid 90s or something they were yeah. originally pitching their, their first sort of scripts for this film and everyone just thought it's not possible you can't make this film uh, book into a film it just doesn't work um, they'd already done it though well exactly but it was it a failed. failure yeah they didn't even finish it did they the last yeah. part of the film is in like black and white and it just kind of ends yeah you know it, it didn't they'd work they'd done animated version no, that's the one I'm talking about though, the yeah. animated version um, but Peter Jackson effectively like a phoenix you know revived the fantasy genre he showed everyone that it could be taken seriously, it could be well respected, and it could be watched and enjoyed by a huge audience, not just like D and D nerds. You know, everyone loved Lord of the Rings. It wasn't like some little nerdy niche market. Everyone was talking about it in a way that like not everyone. <laughs> well, <laughs> the vast majority of people is very mainstream is my point, right? Yeah. Like everyone and their mum went to see it and knew yeah. about it and was invested in it and loved this, you know, the characters. People compared it to Star Wars. That's the thing. Yeah. It's the Star Wars of our generation. Yes. No. Star Wars is the Star Wars of our generation. Getting to a well, clerk's two argument. I, I, when, are you prepared to say when you were born? 
Were you born post Return of the Jedi? I don't think that has any bearing on what I consider to be the well, best. Well, because you can't say it's part of your generation if you were born after it came out, well, or even I, if you were like one when it but came I was, out. So I, I was born in 1983. Yeah. So to be fair... So you were born the year Return of the Jedi came out. Exactly. It's not part of your generation. So I had obviously watched Star Wars. I have had enough time between 1983 and 2001 to watch Star Wars and no, that okay. to be my trilogy. You're misunderstanding me. My point of that was is is that it's like a cultural phenomenon that you know is current, something that's contemporary and new and exciting and every there's like toys like littering shelves and everyone's queuing up at the cinema and cannot wait to go see this film. Everyone's like, you know, when you see the shots of like um theaters where Everyone's like queuing up outside with Star Wars t-shirts on, desperate to watch Empire Strikes Back. You yeah, know? but then why is that different to the prequel trilogy of Star Wars? Because people kept because going. Because that was shit. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but they still kept going, and there were still the toys, and people queuing up and <clears throat> wanting to see them, and stuff like that. Well, also, that... I still think the point still stands. The Lord of the Rings was the Star, was the star Wars of our generation. In that there was no, There's never been a, a bigger... Phenomenon in can, our lifetime. Can, how many trilogies do you think have ever been compared to Star Wars? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's probably. Listen, a good I point. know you've got yeah. problems with this one, right? Yeah, but you cannot deny it's it's cultural. No, impact. and I, I'm playing devil's advocate. Yeah. I never yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. And everything you've said about it, winning Oscars and mm. Ian McKellen's performance and things like that. I, I do not have a problem with the basic fundamental thing. The fact is that, and this, this is the thing, I always get called upon every time about this, whether it's on this or with my other two, you know, my two best mates, the two best men at my wedding, were are such big Lord of the Rings fans. I get pulled up on this all the time. And I just say to them, my argument is very simple. Like, while I appreciate everything that is good about it, and I will quite happily sit down and watch them if they're on, I won't go out of my way to watch do like they do, which is watch the extended editions and things like that, mm. because I just I, it just doesn't interest me. The, the, the problem I have with it is that because I grew up having read the books and read them to death, mm. and I had a very clear idea in my head, and that's what I'm saying. This is purely my preference. This is not this is not anything that really can I can I can argue. Because it's, uh, or anyone can argue with, because at the end of the day, I'm one of those very unlucky people who can't appreciate what I'm seeing on film because I'm not seeing what I grew up loving. It's those films, for me, it feels very personal to say, ruined three of my most favourite books that I read while I was reading up because I watched them and I just thought, oh, this, this is what everyone's going to think it's like. In my head, the way I thought it was was better. Because it was mine, and mm. I owned that. And then Peter Jackson is just like, no, no, this is Lord of the Rings. This is how it is. I think you, you'll misunderstand. I, I get that reaction. I get that, because a lot of people find that... you know, It's a common complaint with book-to-movie adaptations, right? Everyone always yes, says, but, never but, live up but, to the But this is, this, is one of those, um, this is one of those things. Like, I, t- Tell me how many people have read the book Jurassic Park. I have. Right. Yeah, I've read it. We've yes. Well, of course we have. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying, how many other people that you think actually went to go and see the film in the cinema have read the book, even afterwards? Mm. Oh well, I read it afterwards. The amount of people I know who have never even read Lord of the Rings, the books, have never even read the books and just watched the film, and that's that. Some some people I've spoken to were genuinely surprised to find out that it was a series of books that, were, <laughs> that, that it was based on. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So. 
So that that that's where my problem lies with this. Why is, is that, that a problem though? Because effectively, he's brought that universe to a bunch of people who would otherwise not even known it existed. Well, bully for him, but I. But but <laughs> but, the, but it still doesn't diss the fact that it still doesn't remove the fact. Sorry that. Lord of the Rings, the books, which were written by Tolkien, who arguably is the one that, you know, when, when you say, oh, they wrote their script and stuff, it's like, well, yeah, they wrote the script, but they're, they're mainly taking all of their, mm. every, all the words from Tolkien's book. And the book, and I don't know, it's, it's, yeah. the, it's the one set of books that I get really snobbish about because okay. I, you know, my dad encouraged me to read them and I loved them. And but why is it specifically that you looked at in the film and you said this isn't right? That's, that's kind of what I was wondering. And and you're well within your rights to feel that. Don't feel like we're like attacking you for not liking Lord of the Rings. No, no, no I don't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I never feel like I'm being attacked. Yeah. I just, I just simply restate it over and over again. The problem I have is when people go, "Oh, that's ridiculous," but they're just so good films. It's like I, I'm, that's not what I'm arguing. I'm not saying they're not good films. I'm saying that they, they weren't just, what you wanted. They to just, they, they were absolutely. They, they purely were not what I wanted but to what, see. What was I didn't want to see it on film. I, I think the the whole beauty of those books is that they're so they're so well written and they're so so nice that they rely on your head. Yeah, they rely mm-hmm. on your imagination to fill in the gaps. Yeah. See, I don't have this. It's a line in the stone now. That's it. That that is how everything looks. This is this is. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true because I there was. I didn't want to move on to the Hobbit yet, but for me, I didn't really read Lord of the Rings. I had the Lord of the Rings books growing up, mm. and I, I can't remember actually properly reading them. I think I like flicked through them. I like looked at the cool artwork yeah. and the pictures and some of the illustrations and stuff. Yeah. And I may have read bits and pieces, mm. but the Hobbit I definitely read like many many times. Mm. I loved the Hobbit, mm. and when the Hobbit film comes out, it's nothing, nothing like what I was thinking in my head. But I can separate the two. When I read The Hobbit still, I still imagine what I remembered as a kid. Yeah. I imagine the dwarves to look like, you know, like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs dwarves. You know, like little gnomes, because that's kind of that's how mm. they're described with their beards tucked into the belts. But I love what they did with the dwarves in the film. I love that they gave them all individual mm. personalities and looks and they all look different and I think it works great for film because some things that work well for books don't work well for for films because mm. it's a different vessel. Put, yeah. In the same way, you know, video game adaptations sometimes just don't work or they have to change things or make things different because it's just like, that just wouldn't work on film. Mm. And Which is why I often argue I don't know why what comes next has to be made at all. I, you know, there's... There's all these people that go, but if it had never been made, I kind of go, what, and what? Rings, the, the films? Yeah, and what? Oh, man, it's, I think it's had such a huge impact on the world. Yeah, I And agree. on me. I, I love it to death. I, I genuinely love it. And I think I could get you to love it. Because <laughs> I, I think you should watch the, um, on the extended editions, don't watch the films, mm. watch the making of. And you will see the absolute love for those books being poured into everything they're doing. This isn't... Yeah, but the, prob- this but the isn't pro- an problem is... Like, I don't where... know why, but it's because... It's because my love of the books is... It's, it's a, it is a purely personal thing, and it's actually probably a completely irrational um, personal thing, but actually I'm not, I'm not prepared to dismiss my personal... You no. don't have to dismiss it, but that's but, the thing. You, they can coexist. But it's still someone else's love being poured into this, and it's not... It's not. Do you know what but I mean? Course, it's just not mine. A filmmaker always has a vision, right? Yeah. But 
on on this uh, on the Lord of the Rings films, he gets the two uh, most um, well established Lord um, Lord of the Rings illustrators or mm. Middle Earth illustrators around. Mm. So uh, John Howe and Alan Lee, right? Mm. They are there the whole time uh, making the set designs, um, concept art for everything. Yeah. So it's not like Peter Jackson is like, oh, an orc, that's like some uh, 10 foot tall black thing, right? You know, they're like, they, he's got legit people who know about Middle Earth. He's constantly looking at the lore. It, they were, you know, really well thumbed copies of the books apparently lying on set everywhere. Mm. You know, the, the actors were all, you know, encouraged to read them. When he, when he first got people on um, the set, before they're making the film, and he's got to give everyone like a pep talk, right? Mm. He tells them, um, what we're doing here, we're not making a fantasy film. We're not... Like, I don't want you to think of this as, like, you know, we're doing sort of... Sort of what we're doing is we found... This This isn't a script. It's not a film script. Mm. This is a historical document that we found. We found this amazing tale of, you know, these hobbits who have to go on this adventure. Mm. This is real. This is real stuff. And we've got the opportunity um, to bring this to life in film. So it's really, you know... He wanted people to think of it as real. This is real. Mm. This isn't a film. It's not make believe. It's not silly. It's not Xena the Warrior Princess. It's not Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. This is this is like history. What we're doing. Mm. And so he locked them all up in New Zealand <laughs> <laughs> until they believed it. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I implore you to like at least try and watch some of the, the documentaries because. It shows Peter Jackson's love for the project and how much he just... The amount of effort they go to for some of these things. It's ridiculous. In other films, you know, they would... You know, they would have so many more cop-outs. They would just, like, think, oh, we'll just have that be CG or we'll just um, Mm. make everyone, you know, we won't bother having this amount of set dressing, just only what we can see. Mm. You know, it's ridiculous the detail they go to, the, the, the set designers and everyone working on that film. It's like just this amazing project that they all feel so privileged to be part of. Mm. It's like some just... It's so heartwarming when you're watching it because everyone just loves it to death. They just... They love being there. Even, yeah. like, there's there was, like, one guy who was um, making all the chain mail and he's legit making it out of little metal rings, right? Mm. Mm. And he just making, like, you know, thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon hundreds of thousands, probably millions mm. of these just snapping rings together and he says oh but I wouldn't change it for the world I love it because he's part of this amazing <clears throat> project there was so much like proper craft went into those films it's not a cop out it's not just CG it's not just crappy cardboard sets with polystyrene you know there were so many different uh, methods employed in the filmmaking right you know sometimes they would um, use um, I don't know like you know for just a normal set sometimes they use a miniature and he would, Pete Jackson would be there with a like a camera swooping around inside a miniature. And they, these miniatures were massive, though, in the uh, documentary they love because they say they're called bigatures. That's mm. what they kind of refer to them as. Because some of them are huge, but technically, they're, obviously, they're still miniatures. Mm. But they are just so amazingly crafted by proper, mm. like, uh, craftsmen who just... You've got... You know, it, it came up with so many interesting and new techniques for getting across these hurdles of like how do you film you know a hobbit sized person next to a human sized person mm. now a lot of films would just sort of say well we'll just sort of CG or split it down the middle they had but they wanted them to act together they wanted them in the same scene so they came up with these um, incredibly like complex scenes where they half the set 
would be miniature sized to make the hobbits look big half of it was human size and they would be set apart from each other so one is like you know i don't know like two meters from the camera the other one is like five meters from the camera and then when you angle it up together they line up perfectly Mm. so both actors are on set acting to with each other like uh, bouncing off each other's dialogue and stuff so it's it seems realistic it looks realistic there's no kind of green screen lines or anything and you know it's just incredible that's that's like a new technique they came up with and when you see like the lengths they went to to just get simple little things Mm. like that um to work they had to come up with like revolutionary uses of CG as well. They came up with, um, I think the system they used for like the big battle scenes and things was called Massive. This is, yes, the, 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 one of my favourite stories about the battle scenes mm. I heard was each individual soldier had his own stats. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, and they gave him personality and stuff. And, yeah. and apparently the, the, the first time you see them when they rush towards them, the first time they rush towards each other, they didn't really want to fight, so they just stopped. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it's, the first, it's the first time we'd seen a battle at, on that scale. Yeah, look, come the two towers. Yeah. There wasn't really any big battles. In, well, it was no the intro. Big, oh, oh, that's true. Yes, yeah. of course. Yeah, the big intro. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. And it, it, yeah, it, that rocked me. Yeah, like, that I looked at that and it was mind blowing. And some of it doesn't hold up anymore but I, I'm so reticent to say that yeah. because for me it was it's one of those films <clears throat> that is timeless to me I yeah. think, I, oh, don't yeah, think yeah. It, I don't think that film could age because it's so well executed I know what you mean like there are certain moments where it's like uh, they can do that better now like yeah. CG but like I'm saying with the perspective cameras and the use of miniatures and the use of real locations as well yeah. really crap the efforts the, some of the rem- incredibly remote locations they went to you know in New Zealand just to film like certain scenes it's crazy um, there's a story where um, uh, Sean Bean, right, as Boromir, doesn't like flying. He's like terrified of flying because apparently um, on a previous location shoot, um, Billy Boyd, this is the thing as well actually that I like, is that mm. the, the characters, like I was saying, how well cast they are, they almost like became their characters, like offset as well. Yeah. Like they really kind of, or they, they were just so well cast that they almost didn't need to, I guess. That it's just them all over. They're almost like playing a version of themselves. Yeah, like, all the hobbits hung out together, didn't they? This is the thing. Yeah. And, and apparently, like, um, um, Billy Boyd and Dominic Monaghan played a prank on Sean Bean, who doesn't like flying. Yeah. And they basically told the guys flying the little plane, they said, you know, at a certain point, do a few, like, stunt manoeuvres, <laughs> do, like, a few drops or whatever. And basically, Sean Bean absolutely bricks it. And from then on, said, that's it. I'm not... I ain't getting not playful. <laughs> As Sean Bean is famous for saying. Of course, yeah. <laughs> so, they have this um, shoot on this... Uh, it's the bit where they go up the mountain pass before they eventually um, get, you know, find avalanches, Saruman uh, causes... Mm avalanches and they can't go any further they have to go eventually go down the mines of Moria but anyway this is the scenes where they're up on the mountain top right and they, they want needed shots of them walking over this like incredibly beautiful um, snowy mm. New Zealand mountain top um, Boromir doesn't want to fly Boromir or Sean Bean doesn't want to fly <laughs> <laughs> he literally there's no there's no kind of um, set dressing or no sorry costume tents or anything at the top so he has to put on his full garb as Boromir, shield, sword, everything, he walks up the mountain to get there to film that scene. He sets off like hours before them and apparently they're, they're going up in their helicopter looking at him, a Boromir climbing up a fucking mountain <laughs> face 
And there's so many stories like this from mm. the actors. Viggo Mortensen used to apparently take his sword everywhere. Mm. He got so attached to his sword because he wanted to get in character and he thought Aragorn is someone who would who would have his sword with him at all times. Yeah. And he was... Um, so he would take it he would, in his car everywhere and he would like take it to restaurants and have it like wrapped up and stuff because he just he's just like one of those kind of method actors. Mm-hmm. He would take the costume home with him and any time it would get... Um, you know, damage or something, he would repair it by hand, like mm. sewing it back together. He, he would scrub it and clean and stuff. You know, it, it's, it's this level of, like, love and detail that is just, like, poured into films. And like, I really think if you were to watch the making of, I really think you would fall in love with it. He, um, he got arrested, didn't he? For having his sword. For having his yeah. sword on him, like, we went into a town. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. But um, the other one, Viggo Mortensen was... In two towers where they're trying to find the hobbits, mm. and they come to the the burning pile of bodies. Yeah, and he gets yeah, angry. I know you're saying. Yeah, kicks the helmet and then just screams and like everyone on it's set like was a like, real like gutter yeah, yeah. scream. Like, and it kind of goes up as well. Yeah, it's yeah. Like a bit of an up because he goes. Ah! And yeah, like, and everyone's like, "That's amazing. That's like completely yeah, improvised." That's like... And then he just turn the camera off. Again. I think I've broken my toe. Yeah, <laughs> broken. He actually had. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. But, uh, but there's loads of like great stories like that. They, yeah. um, there's a scene where Lurtz, the Urukai captain, yeah. um, he's fighting the amazing scene where he basically shoots Boromir to death. Viggo mm-hmm. Mortensen has that fucking great oh, fight with him. God, the best cinematic fight. He's got the crazy time. eyes going in it as well. Yeah. It's just brutal and like real because yeah. um, you know Lurtz is a real guy in a mm. real suit, and that's what makes it so physical and real mm. physical. anyway there's a point where he um, he throws his uh, a knife at him he throws his shield doesn't he yeah that yeah. as well but oh, this is a different and he cuts the knife out of the air that's it oh, yeah oh, oh. he basically yeah. throws yeah. a knife yeah. at uh, Viggo Mortensen yeah. who's or Aragorn who's yeah. down on the ground mm. and this legit happened he was supposed to throw it away from him mm. and Viggo Mortensen is supposed to sort of knock it away the the stunt actor actually th- legit throws it straight at him. Mm. This fucking sharp knife just flying towards him, and Viggo Mortensen, like a complete badass, actually just like swings it out of the air. It looks so cool. Right? <laughs> like keeps going with the tape. Yeah, and that's what made it into the film. But you know, I I can't. I, yeah, I, I I can't tell you how much. Uh, to me, I do love the making of more than I love the films. Yeah, because. It just looked like such an amazing adventure they all went on. And you can see how close they all got. By the end of it, the um, the Fellowship, the actors all got tattoos. Yeah. Mm. Um, to say they'd been part of this thing because, it, you know, it's, it, it was more than just a film. It was more than just, like, we're going to go away for six weeks. Well, there will never be an experience like it. No, because there was, in these remote locations, they were all huddled together for so long. And, you know, obviously, it's... it's, it's Three film trilogy that takes place over a three film trilogy, three <laughs> films, specifically a three film, three film trilogy. Type. I, I mean, I tell a lie. Lord of the Rings Part Two, the, Part the, One. <laughs> the, the Star Wars cast seemed to be getting close to that, like in terms of how they're getting on. The stories they're telling and, and oh, the current one. Yeah, I was going to say the prequel ones, like. Like, well, Sean made that reference where it's like they have got no idea what was going on. They're no. yeah. in front of a green screen with shit whizzing around. That's not going to bring you together. You're no. just going to be like, Man well, like, into the green screen. <laughs> watching the prequel making of and watching the Lord of the Rings documentary is just like worlds apart. Worlds apart. Making I have, and they're atrocious. 
But even watching Star Wars, I don't think... Um, even Star Wars, I don't think they had, like, the chemistry and... You know, so often, like, later on, you, after a film's made and you love the on-screen chemistry, or even a TV show or something, something like Red Dwarf, mm. then you find out, oh, we all fucking hated each other. We were always at each other's throat. As soon as the, the camera's off us, you know, mm. we don't speak to each other. I hate that. I hate that. Because it kind of ruins it a little bit. Mm. But... That is so not the case with Lord of the Rings. Like, the Fellowship were a fellowship. They really did, like, off-screen, like, bond. And, like I said, they all got these uh, matching tattoos mm. um, in Elvish. That I think said mm. everything it read nine or something. Uh, very cool. Tom, thoughts? <laughs> You're sitting there. Uh, not, still not convinced. No, no, it's, I, I've, I've never needed convincing that they were that they were fantastically filmed films, that they were, you know, uh, innovative in the best sense of the word and, in, you know, in, in film craft in general. I've never, I've never needed convincing of that. It's just that I'm, you know, I'm very happy that everyone had such a good time making it and stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm, I'm really, I'm really pleased that it was that, you know, level of, of camaraderie and all that sort of stuff, you know, and, and, I just, I just think maybe I'm very miserable about this because mm. I went to go and see it at the cinema and I fell asleep halfway through because I was just like, I, I can't be bothered with this. I was crying. I really, I really, <laughs> I really tried my best to want to want to like it because I was excited when I when I I heard that they were making Lord of the Rings films because I thought this is amazing. I'm going to see it in live action and stuff like that. But I should have known even then it's never going to compare with because I mean I. I, I, maybe I haven't been too uh, forceful enough with this. I read those books over and over and over and over again. They were they were constant companions wherever I was, mm. and I loved those. I I loved the books. I absolutely loved the books, and I just read, read them and 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 read them. You know, they were just the constant ones I always had on rotation that I was always reading, and then I just. I just think that no, no interpretation of the film would ever no. match. Because I would say my love it's, for the it's, book. It's, it's about as like faithful an adaptation you could ever wish for. I mean, it's Story not hundred percent. It's Story not hundred percent, but you know, there are always going to be sacrifices when you have to put something, you know, a book that you can read over months into a, you know, a film that has to be less than three hours long. You know, there are always going to be certain things that don't make it in, but. To be honest, there's very little that they didn't put in, mm. or very few changes they made. Well, the biggest one, I suppose, was no Tom Bombadil. Tom Bombadil, yeah. I don't see that as a big deal, personally. I know some people made a big fuss about it. What do you think about Tom Bombadil, Tom? <laughs> Not particularly. He's a very strange character, and he always yeah. doesn't take place. Because it, actually, he Tom Bombadil predates Lord of the Rings. He existed before Lord of the Rings yes. in Tolkien's other works. Yes. He was um, originally someone he put into poems. Yeah. And effectively, he's, he's this kind of mysterious demigod-like figure mm. who lives in the woods and, you know, he's supposed to have, in Lord of the Rings lore, he's supposed to have existed, like, since the beginning of time. You know? Yeah, sort so, of like uh, Sanguine mm. in um, Skyrim. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we, we did actually have a question. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So... Uh, Caroline Sutcliffe Handy who I used to work with um, <laughs> since they chopped out a large portion of the Fellowship book you 
we could converse over whether the book movie adaptation should always be faithful. Follow up point, The Hobbit. Okay, well, the follow up point because we yeah. kind of um, we've kind of gone yeah. over the thing. Although I can, yeah. you know, we can do it again. I'm, just to say that there are always going to be half the things. You know, the things that work in books don't always work in films. There's always going mm. to be something. You know, the film was already, the extended editions of those films already run at over three hours each. Yeah, you're looking at 12 hours for the lot. It's 11 and a half hours. Oh, like who that. has the time? I've, I've done it in one go. I have the time. Oh, for God's yeah, sake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a hard slog, and at the end, you just. Yeah. Just <laughs> fucking end. <laughs> With all the. Longing yeah. looks on the jetty, <laughs> and every time everyone thinks it's the end, they've always forgotten about the five other yeah. endings. And you're like, Oh, God. God. <laughs> the coronation! <laughs> oh, it's four in the fucking morning. I need to go to bed. Frodo, just fuck off. <laughs> yeah, stop staring at Sam like that. Yeah, no, I think they um, in the the making of they they go through why they left out certain things or why they changed um, mm. certain roles, like the bit where Arwen <laughs> you've been suckered in. <laughs> <laughs> well, the bit where Arwen um, kind of uh, rescues Frodo when he's been stabbed by the Morgul blade mm. and he's in a really bad way, and mm. she gets the horses to come and take out the um, the nine. Um, you know, I, I, they, that was a, in the books. That was um, what's his face, Hugo Weaving's character. What's his, what's his? Um, oh, Elrond. Elrond. Elrond sorry, yeah, that was supposed to be Elrond. I think I could be wrong on that. I think it was think in, so, in yeah. the book. It was Elrond, or it was another elf, possibly. But anyway, they changed it to. Um, Let's call him Jimrond. Linda. Linda. <laughs> Jimrond. <laughs> Jimrond. Bobrond. Bobrond. <laughs> so you know, they changed that to. Um, What's her face? Who? Arwen. We Arwen, changed that yes. to be Arwen because Sorry. we'd uh, we'd <laughs> already met Arwen, and you know, you don't want to um, you don't want to just like bombard people with new characters all the time, and it just makes sense. And you know, little changes like that, I think, are just perfectly acceptable. It's it, I don't see how that changes things. The same with like Tom Bombadil. It's just it's it doesn't. They, their reason for not adding in Tom Bombadil was it just didn't drive the plot forward. And that's fair enough. It's a mm. film. It has to have it. You know, yeah, well, like, just drives... it's, it's Hollywood streamlining. Yeah, it's yeah, like it's yeah. like I like I brought up the example of Jurassic Park, the the book Jurassic Park. Mm. The people who live and people who die by the end of the book is completely different to what you see in the film. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to get to the biggest changes in uh, book to film, which is led from Lord of the Rings eventually in this, in which is Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. I don't know whether you, uh, you yeah. that mentioned on here. For instance, the biggest spoiler in the world ever is that by the end of the book... Spoilers, by the way. Spoilers. Yeah. Stannis Baratheon is still alive and is in fact knocking almost on the door of Winterfell yeah, yeah. by the end of that. Whereas in the TV series, which to be honest gets less and less likeable as, yeah. it, as it progresses, um, Stannis Baratheon is now dead. Hmm. And beaten by Ramsay Bolton, who seems to be, um, who seems to be being held up as just a, oh, he's a disgusting person. He's a contro- controversial character. Mm. Let's keep him in. Yeah, yeah, because it's all about controversy. But that that's maybe we could talk about Game of Thrones at some other point. But it's 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 another one where just but for the fact that they haven't finished the books. That's the thing. Yeah, that is that it's sort of fair game because they've overtaken. The books, right? At this point, yeah, yeah. I agree. 
Yeah, so, it, I mean, the thing is, like, Tolkien lore was established, like, a yeah. long time before the film, so it, it, they can't check, muck around with it too much. I do think that's a different thing, but, yeah. Yeah, and, and also the fact is that most people have probably no interest in reading anything that George R. R. Martin has written. <laughs> um, whereas people should care what J.R.R. Tolkien has written. Yes. <clears throat> and what he's done for... Yeah. Fantasy in yeah. general. But what you could argue is that what J.R.R. Tolkien did for books, Peter Jackson, by converting his wow. films, mm-hmm. has done for movies. Oh, I would absolutely say yeah, for, yeah. Film craft, yeah. for film craft. For film yeah. craft and fantasy movies. Lord yes, of the Rings definitely. has done immeasurable things. That's mm. what I'm saying with the aspect um, filming and the uh, incredible CGI programming that they used for the battle scenes and stuff like that. Movie technology, thankfully, has been advanced very well. Yes. Yeah, um, saying that, I don't think we've ever, we will ever see a film on the same scale as Lord of the Rings. I, I think we will. Well, I guess we probably will, but we haven't yet, I don't think. Here's, here's how I look at Lord of the Rings before we... Who move. knows what Rogue One is going to be like? Who mm. knows if there's going to be... If the, if the next film in the Star Wars saga is going to be... Maybe. Epic. I guess um, Force Awakens was probably getting there, but I don't think it's anywhere near as... I have a feeling we haven't seen anything yet. And I'm not even going to dignify the Marvel Universe by putting them on the same level as the Lord of the Rings trilogy so no. like that. I think it's done something very impressive but it's different from what Lord of the Rings I think did. so too right. I think it's brought together a comprehensive comic book I had, universe watching Civil War I had a similar, similar feeling that, that I had from watching Lord of the Rings which is I never thought I would see all of those people like mm. on the same screen at the same time and there's a bit in Civil War where they're both lined up against each other and you've got Iron Man you've got Spider-Man You've got Black Widow, you've got Vision and on one side, and then you've got Captain America, and you've got Winter Soldier, and you've got Hawkeye, and you've got Ant-Man, and they're on the other side. And I'm just looking at all these people that, in a similar way to Lord of the Rings, thinking I, I would never dreamed I would see something like this. Uh, and Lord of the Rings did that, and I'm, I'm not comparing the two, but just for terms of spectacle, I think that comes close in the sense that <laughs> it's not something anyone ever thought they would see. Yeah, ironically, that was pretty much what I thought when I sat down to watch The Fellowship mm. for the first time, which was, I never in a million years dreamed that it would look like this. Okay, I meant it in a different way. <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. I'm saying, I'm saying it's ironic, because mm. the way I sat there watching it was completely different. And I must sound like such a curmudgeon on this, but it's, the, it's probably one of the only things that I ever really put my foot down and... And just say that while I can appreciate everything else that is so good about mm. it, I just cannot bring myself to watch them anymore. I, f- I find it so surprising with Lord of the Rings because I don't really see like I don't. It, to me, it, it hasn't strayed from the vision of Lord of the Rings at all. Like it's it's very it's, much. It hasn't strayed much from the story. No, but like visually, I mean, obviously there is no visuals because it's your imagination. But the characters kind of look how they're described. No. <laughs> probably not or how they're they not depicted in like illustrations and things I mean they're not it would be interesting I should, I should I should get a copy of it I don't know if you've got one. no I'm not going to flick through it because it's quite late at night of what? of Lord of the Rings of the oh, Fellowship okay. I've got one upstairs but... uh, well don't worry about it we don't I mean, yeah, it's getting quite late now um, and I should look at the I, but it's not it's not just that I don't know I don't know 
It's it's and I don't know, I don't know why I can't I I can't put my finger on it. I just feel very strongly about it. No, no problem. Man. I think it's one of those things that like I could, my I could. physical reaction was to fall asleep through it, and I think it might have been my brain kind of trying to protect me from being disappointed whether I was going to be or not. It was just like it's just not worth it. Just go to sleep. <laughs> I th- I think you need to. I think it's time for reassessment. I think you need to sit down properly with an extended edition Fellowship of the Ring. Again, I don't have time to sit down for three hours. Oh, you four do. hours. Oh, you do. <laughs> I don't have a child. I don't have I any think time. Let's, let's... But I'm not looking after or bathing or running after. I'm trying to relax for a few hours before I go to sleep. Let's <laughs> let's Let's... Get into what I think we would naturally progress this to, which is the cultural relevance it has, and then what it's spawned yeah. from that. Now, I, I went to watch the first Chronicles of Narnia film. Yeah, that was an obvious because off the back of yeah, God, that was all Disney cool. thinking quick. Let's get this out. This mm. this is popular. And, and I remember you can just tell they rushed it. Yeah, and I watched that, and there was Golden Compass as well. I yeah, watched that, and that was awful. That was awful as well. I really like Golden Compass, but yeah. But I, I watched them thinking these films don't need to be made anymore. Yeah, because it had been done. Like, it's been, it'd been done. Perfected already. Exactly. Yeah. And that was the thing. Nothing that came out after it held a candle mm. to it. Nothing. Even The Hobbit, which was yeah the same. But then, sadly, I guess that's the point, isn't it? If you're if you're going to make a film, you know, if you're going to make the film of the Chronicles of Narnia. Mm. Then, surely, well, I mean, first of the execution was pretty awful. Yeah. Um, but if they'd been good films, and people were then going, hmm, it's not like Lord of the Rings, then potentially you could turn around and argue, well, it's a different story, it's a different... But they're obviously made a... off the back of Lord of the Rings. And on... to be like Lord of the Rings. With less love. Then it, it wasn't. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, I'm aware it's a different it was, story. It, it yeah. was cold and cynical. Yeah. It was really cold and cynical, especially considering the actors that uh, they chose to play all of the children mm. were precocious beyond tolerance. They were just, oh my god, oh my god, stop talking. Yeah. You know, just <clears throat> really dire acting as well. But I, it just it, it's the first kind of genre I felt. What's Lord of the Rings has perfected this. That there doesn't mm. really need to be these films and I'm glad that no one else thought that because the only thing that I think um, can stand up to it is something that was completely different but on the same similar mm. lines I guess was the Harry Potter films similar came yes. out at a very similar time and again had just like tons of love poured into it yeah um, because I guess you had um, JK Rock- she had input had yeah. like a lot of input yeah. so she was literally there at the helm mm. Um, helping them make those films and she had a lot of say over it so it was yeah. a kind of a passion project for her And although I would argue that the special effects in Lord of the Rings stand up better than those in uh, the, the Twitty Potter books because um, the Quidditch possibly. match looks terrible oh yeah that's oh. true actually there are yeah. some really ropey bits and you're just like I don't know I remember watching it thinking yeah. oh it wouldn't be that bad but in Lord of the Rings and it's, <laughs> it's crazy they did all of that kind of stuff in house in, in mm. the Lord of the Rings it was all like unknown Some New Zealand well it was you know New Zealand student you know, mm. it put New Zealand on the map as mm. far as like mil- uh, filmmaking goes up until then wasn't Weta's biggest um, film they'd done wasn't it like Brain Dead or something like that 
Well, I don't think... It, did they exist at that point? I'm not sure whether he created yeah. the name. Just, but just yeah, they, it was all yeah. people he'd worked with yeah. on his crappy, kind of not yeah. crappy, they're good. But Frighteners his, and... Yeah, low-budget yeah. horror flicks and stuff. Loads of people he brought up uh, with him hmm. um, when he was making all of the Rings. They were all people from those early projects, just like little studenty films almost. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's pretty crazy. But And that the, the, they managed to get these just state-of-the-art you know, groundbreaking mm. special effects in these, like, you know, new talent studios all with just like a bunch of New Zealanders. It wasn't in Hollywood. It mm. wasn't in London. You know, pretty amazing stuff. But there was a ton of these um, films, like you say, with, like, Chronicles of Narnia, mm. uh, Aragon. Oh, that's a bad film. Isn't that it? was pretty cool. <clears throat> um, like, say, Golden Compass, which I really wish they would have finished that because they only did the first film. Mm. And I actually quite enjoyed it. See, that's always bad, isn't it? When uh, part one... <laughs> Of a film, uh, part two never gets made. That's the other thing about Lord of the Rings: the confidence to have to just film them all in one go. Yeah, you can't. That's the best way to yeah. do it because um, it, it just retained the visual style mm. the whole that was consistent the whole way through. You know, nobody had aged like ridiculously between, or you know, mm. and it was just like the flow just kept going. And I think even like they were filming scenes of sometimes overlapping. I mm. think I'm not sure on that though, but. Um, yeah, then in, I mean, we've even had all the kind of they when they've been plumbing the depths of kind of fantasy literature to f- try and find licenses that they can possibly make a Lord of the Rings esque film out of. You know, they've gone back to like fairy tales, like mm. done. Um, they had like two Snow White films. Um, well, yeah, there's the Snow White, and then there's the Snow White and the Huntsman one. Yeah, no, they had Mirror Mirror. And oh, they Snow did. Snow White and Huntsman. Yeah, they like what about um... what's that? Hunger Games. No, that doesn't count. That's, that's got that's a like kind of fantasy. That's a young adult dystopian future. But it's kind of contemporary job. fantasy with the bow and arrows. And... Well, it's got bow and arrow, but it's not fantasy. It's not sword and sorcery. But then, so is Avengers. That's got to do with the bow and arrow. Oh, sorry, I was talking in terms of cultural phenomenon. Oh, okay, yeah. Mm, I think that's a bit of a stretch. Tom. Very popular. In terms of, of yeah, and it, it has said about the fact that now we've got Divergent, insurgent, detergent, whatever it is that, and we've got uh, the Maze Runner, and we've got Fifth Wave, and all yeah. these young adult books that have now been turned into mm. films. It has set it off, but it's not, it's not on the same level. I mean, now we've got, you know, I don't think something like the Game of Thrones TV series or any of these other kind of fantasy uh, TV series that came out post Lord of the Rings would have existed without it. I don't think so. I think they're doing something slightly different, and I think as a result. Everyone's Who? copying that Game of Thrones. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's different. It's, it's definitely like evolved again, mm. but it wouldn't have. It couldn't have evolved. You couldn't have got to where it is now without Lord of the Rings being able to to say to people, "Look, you can take sword and sorcery seriously. You can do it, and mm. it will be. It can be mainstream. It can be believable. It can be adult. It can, yeah. You know. I just don't think they would have existed without it. No, I would agree with that. And also, I have to say, I have not felt. So little excitement for a series mm. than I have the latest of Game of Thrones. I was really excited about season five, but not at all excited about season six. But I would also agree, I don't think it would have been made without Lord of the Rings. There, Absolutely not. There has been some kind of TV influence for that as well, because that's a big budget TV series. Yeah, a huge budget TV yeah. series, isn't it? Mm. Yes. Yeah, what came before Game of Thrones? Uh, Walking Dead, I think, started before yeah. Game of Thrones. But that's still not. Well, big budget TV series, I mean, you have like X-Files. You can go back to X-Files for that kind of thing. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, you... you that was always budget. like Monster of the Week, though, mm. wasn't it? It was... 
But we're, t- we're talking like film esque budget in a TV series. Okay, yeah, that was you mentioned it like Spartacus, that kind of era, wasn't it? Mm. Where those sort of big HBO yeah yeah um, shows start to come. Oh no, of course, I just remember what it was. It was Lost. Lost was the one yes. that kicked it all off. Lost was the the cultural phenomenon, the one that everyone was always talking about like, yeah. as soon as the episode yeah. happened. Yeah. Nothing really happened. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. They what saw the again, and there was a smoke monster. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's exactly it. You're spot on, definitely. I mean, in video games as well, when you think about the success of World of Warcraft, would mm. that have been as popular without um, Lord of the Rings? I think it helped. Yeah. I think it would still been popular, but I think it helped. No, I think it helped. I don't even know if it would have happened at all. I don't even know if it would have happened at all. As like a massive success that it is. Mm. It's funny, know. isn't it, really? Because all the Star Wars MMOs that have been released recently bond. Mm-hmm. Well, the Lord of the Rings MMO as well. The Lord of the Rings MMO bond. Mm. Uh, ironic, really, isn't it? The one that was actually based on... Well, it was because it wasn't fun. Mm. Well, how long ago was the Lord of the Rings one? Quite recent MMO. Well, it, uh, it was a fair few years. Ten years ago. Yeah, oh. fair, fair few years mm. after the. Because there was a massive drop off of interest with Lord of the Rings stuff. Mm. Like mm. it dropped off a cliff. Mm. Um, I remember like Games Workshop had a Lord of the Rings game, and for like a few years, their profits like ridiculously spiked yeah. beyond um, compare. Yeah. And they were like, "Holy shit, all this money!" And they were like making this ridiculous amount of money, and they thought they were, you know. King of the Castle, and then a couple of years later, when everyone was bored of all the rings, vroomp, like mm. fell off a cliff, and it's like, oh shit! Some <laughs> <laughs> of those Mercedes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There's so much more I could say. We haven't even talked on the Hobbit. Maybe we should save the Hobbit for another time because that's a whole other topic in itself. But for me, I just think you know the the legacy the, when it came around it was just so needed that we needed a, just a, an amazing fantasy epic and it just came at the perfect time and just blew everyone away apart from Tom and I can't be objective a, about it an uncomparable really, legacy yeah. I think yeah I don't disagree I love Lord of the Rings I I was a fan of the books probably not to the same level as you are Tom but I and just seeing it on screen, seeing something, it, it felt felt like there was real magic. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like I was watching something truly magical on screen, something that that didn't feel like I was watching a film. Mm-hmm. And the documentaries are so good because there's so much to talk about. Yeah. There's so much that went into it, yeah. and they're almost like Peter Jackson and his crew just going. You'd never guess what I've done for the last like, year and a half. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk yeah. you through everything I've done, and you, you, you just it'll blow you away. Some of the stuff it does, and, yeah. and and you get to the end of the um, you get to the end of the documentaries, mm. and you feel like you've been on a little journey. It's yes, like emotional, yeah. like you've coming to the end of an era. It's almost like you've watched a film. Like yeah, you've gone on this quest to to track the ring and um, you know Mount Doom. It feels like that. <laughs> I love I love the idea of a, a film as well. <laughs> The film as well that that had obstacles, mm. like Lord of the Rings had obstacles, and that didn't stop them making it. Instead, they listed the obstacles and they worked out how they were going to do them and how they were going to make it look mm. good. That appeals to me. Just like not letting anything get in your way of filming something like this. Yeah, yeah, it was a definitely a true passion mm. project. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, should we end it there? Yeah, I think so. Yes, but I am keen to watch them again. Really? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe not the first one. Don't lie to the listeners, Tom. The first first one's my favourite. Fellowship's my favourite. Yeah, if you remove 80 to 90%. No, (laughs) fuck that. Fellowship's... The the fight scenes in Fellowship, just quickly before you... The the fight where they're running through the woods. Yeah, I'm on And you're... God, it's just so well done. It's so violent without showing you anything particularly violent, except you yeah, know, there's a lot of decapitations. Loads of head falls those off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a funny thing. Maybe I've just become so stuck in my ways. Maybe I do need to give this a chance. Maybe it's been a long enough. Because if it, if it was two thousand and one, mm. then I haven't watched a Lord of the Rings film. It's nearly fifteen years. This December will be fifteen years. When was the last one released? Uh, well, it was every year, wasn't it? It was every year to so 2003. So four. Mm. No, yeah, 2001, 2002, 2003. Yeah, three. 2003, December 2003. So I haven't watched The Lord of the Rings film since... So over 10 years. 13 years. years. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's time. And so it's almost years. been 15 years since... Can yeah. you believe it's been that long for a start, though? It does not feel like nearly 15 years since no. Fellowship of the Rings Maybe I should give it a chance. Maybe I should watch a- it again. As I say, I just... I really Can hope I, I skip the first you. half an hour? No, that's oh, you amazing. Need to, yeah. Why you're in the Shire? You're in Bag End. It's gorgeous. It just like it looks exactly how it's supposed to look. I don't understand. <laughs> Not in Tom. my head. What the you've been imagining it? <laughs> fucking wrong. There is no way Bag End doesn't look exactly <laughs> like it's supposed it to look. Dangerous. I, I seem to. One friend. thing I'll say is I seem to remember when Sean was talking about going to the Zelda concert mm-hmm. that you wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. Because other people wouldn't enjoy it in the same way as you. Yes. And that might be the same with Lord of the uh, Rings. Is it that this is your little secret? Lord of the Rings was like a little secret thing to you and then when it become mainstream? Because I've had that before. Yeah, I get that. I've okay. had that where I've loved something and then it becomes popular and I'm just like, I don't like that anymore. Potentially. I didn't know many people at school <laughs> who liked Lord of the Rings. And then, okay. all, of and then all of a sudden... And then cool. all of a sudden, everyone liked Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I see, and you resented it. We're getting to the crux of this. This is like a psychology. You know? I do, I do resent it, Lesson. but at the same time, I still, I, I will, I will say that I, I honestly and objectively was able to sit in that cinema. Well, maybe it wasn't, it wasn't objective. It wasn't objective. It was. I, I sat there and I just thought, this isn't how I imagined it was. This, I, this you, isn't. You had a stop getting bombed wrong <laughs> moment. Yeah. I feel the same about Deadpool. Like everyone going crazy over Deadpool now. Yeah, I imagine. I remember reading the comics thinking this is funny, and then two years later reading the comics thinking this is pretty boring now, mm. and then two years later everyone going crazy over Deadpool, mm. and the film coming out and everyone yeah. thinking, oh my god, it's so funny. It's I like, bet as soon as Joe's boring now that Ryan yeah. Reynolds had released, a, you know, that little short they did ages ago. Yeah, and by all accounts, apparently it's very good, and I will watch it, but. Yeah. I've got no interest in watching that. Movie. Really? No interest whatsoever. Because the character works so much better when he's breaking the fourth wall in a comic yeah. than I imagine he would be. Because it's just Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, yeah. Who gives a fuck about Ryan Reynolds? <laughs> Apart from Ryan Reynolds. I had my um, precious geeky moment over um, sort of space and Sean of the Dead and Simon Pegg in general. Because I'm just like, so obsessed with... Um, Space and when I went to see Shaun of the Dead in basically 
it was me and Stuart and Dion in an empty cinema. Yeah. No one went to see it because no one knew what it was or gave a shit about it. And we were like massive space fans. That's so it was so like, well. we were like, went to see it. And we were just like coming back off the train just talking about how it was just like, just so perfect and we just loved it to bits. And then like it took a while, it took it for it mm. to come out on DVD, I think. Mm. And then all of a sudden, I was, when I was working at Blockbuster at the time, suddenly it became this like massive like sleeper hit where like all kinds of people were just like coming in. People who like, because like liking Spaced and Simon Pegg and stuff was like a very niche thing. Mm. It was like mm. a little British comedy kind of, you had to be in on it. Mm. And then all of a sudden to have like fucking meatheads coming in and like going, oh, I've seen that Shaun of the Dead. It's like a Dawn of the Dead uh, spoof. Mm. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not a spoof. Yeah, it's a clever reference. Yeah, <laughs> yeah really. I had that was my moment with that. Yeah, okay. potentially. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got the box upstairs. I'll go grab it in the middle. Oh. <laughs> well, this uh, this pod has got more endings than Return of the King. So yeah, yeah. We so end it we'll end it now, probably. or will we? No, we're gonna, <laughs> we're going to end it now. Um, so, thanks for listening again. This has been part three of the Too Much Time on Our Hands podcast. We will be back next week. Probably with news again, maybe. Yeah. Uh, that seemed to work. Definitely with some Riddling Reaver. I think Gurnalist is on his way back again at some point. Ah. Yes, Gurnalist. You like him, don't you? Oh, well, what I've heard. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we feel mm. similarly. He's, oh, <laughs> anyway, um, and then with the topic of the week, which I think we've had someone send one in, so we might do that next week. Uh, Potentially. Nice. Oh. Ooh. Anyway, um, <laughs> if you want to send us a topic that we can cover, we we'd be very grateful for that. Uh, which just email us at talk to us at tmtoh.com or you can hit us up on Twitter, which is at two mt two two mt uh at two mt This might be heavily edited, and then facebook.com forward slash TMTOH. Uh, thanks for listening. And the website. And the website, which is uh, TMTOH.com. Um, and then there's the glory hole as well. Just, <laughs> yeah. just slap a note on the end of your knob and we'll get to it. Thank you very much for listening. Um, goodbye, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I'd say it's good. good. Goodbye. Fly, you fools. Goodbye. the intro by the way <laughs> whoa Oh, I do know this song. <laughs> He's really big for like that voice.
It's almost like Vic and Bob. Vic and Bob. Anyway, enough of this bollocks. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the club style, yeah. yeah. yeah.